0: And welcome to the Defend the North podcast. I'm your co-host, Dana Eisfeld. I'm joined tonight by Cousin Isaac. Isaac, it's been a hot minute, as you like to say. Welcome back to the podcast. What you been up to? Cuz we're back. How's it feel? It's good to be back, man. Well, it's Ugh. the night before the Timberwolves opened the season, so I knew if I was going to get you back on, it was going to be before the Timberwolves tipped off, so yeah,
1: it's definitely. good to have you on here. Yeah, it's been a, been a long time, and taken a little too much time off, but I needed it for me. Um, had to, you know, get some health stuff straightened out. Um, I moved and um, had a promotion in my job, you know, did all, did all this stuff, just needed some time for me. And unfortunately, the podcast had to had to go to the wayside for a little bit, but I am super happy to be back and ready to get rolling again.
0: Yes. And so it's gonna be a pretty straightforward um layout tonight. Like we're the the Timberwolves um tip off tomorrow night at Target Center in downtown Minneapolis against the I wanna call them the Hapless Rockets, but I think they might have a little bit of spunk to them. Um possible rookie of the year, huh? Possible. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. That Jalen Green can can really light it up. And we got a guy on our team, I think, that is moving into his second year that 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 might be able to light it up quite as quite a bit as well. But so I'm not gonna bury the lead. Why the Wolves will be good, Isaac Cat. He's our best player, he's our all star. Everything hinges around him. So he's in shape and dialed in. So what are you looking for from him this season entering his seventh year in the NBA?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of already mentioned it. Like, he's he's going to hit the ground running this year. Like, he's he's coming into the season actually ready for the season for once. He's trimmed down. Normally, he comes into the season with some extra weight. He's got to get into shape. You know, he's got to get his basketball body back. But that's not the case this year. So, to me, like, that right off the bat is going to, you know, help him be at an elite level right away. Now, he's, he's still an amazing offensive player. Like, his, his shooting percentages are one of the best we've seen by a center in probably history. Last year, I mean, he was 24, what, 24-10-4, and he shot 38% from the three-point line, which actually, if you compare to his, you know, within his last four years, that's that's his worst year he shot from the three-point line. So I, I don't think that's going to get worse. I think he's only going to shoot at that clip or better. But, you know, the thing that hinders with him always is, can he can he improve more on defense, which... I guess I'm hoping with his, you know, coming into the season being in shape, you know, another year under his belt, another year with Finch, um, you know, this is what year seven? Is that right? Year seven? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got to start figuring out defense pretty soon, or he's, you know, is he gonna ever figure it out? Do you do you see these things happening? Do you, what? Do you, how do you see him on the defensive side of the ball?
0: Well. He's 25 years old. He's going to turn 26 within the next month, which is hard to believe. I mean, it feels like Mm -hmm. Carl Anthony Towns has been around here longer than Kevin Love or Kevin Garnett. And yet he's only entering the seventh year and he's only turning 26 years old, which is probably like, you know, for most guys in the NBA, I know some guys hit it off early and we're really hoping that Edwards, you know, might um, develop into that. But this is probably the beginning of his prime, his real prime. And what I don't know, like I've seen him. We know that he's a transcendent, he's a um, transcendent offensive player. Like we talked about this a lot last season, you know, with the three point shooting and he can score down low, he can score at the elbow top of the key, you know, and within Finch's system, he seems to really kind of find his feng shui, right? Hmm. But, and he is, and he is more, he's had a couple of hard seasons, all the injuries last year. And the injuries in 1920. I remember, you know, at the beginning of the 1920 season, or I'm sorry, the 1819 season, we like, we we came out the gate 10 and 8, and it was the kind of performance that you thought to yourself that if Towns can play this well for the entire year after 18 games, you know, he had volume three point shooting nine three pointers a game, shooting 44 percent, rebounding like he does. His defense wasn't great even then. You know, averaging 25 and then, you know, it it, it it ended up dropping off. And since then, you know, the 1920 season, of course, is disrupted because of COVID. He only ends up playing 35 games. And then last year, his mother dies. He gets hurt. He's out for a prolonged stretch. The Wolves go, was it four and 18 without him? Yeah. Which tells you everything about like his contribution to this team. So, I mean, yeah. I've, I've always said like our criticisms about him are fair. He's also, if he's not on the court, this team doesn't have a chance of winning. The question is, the question is, and I'll say this, you know, can Carl in year seven, and it's not unprecedented for guys at this age to take that next step. Can he be a solid defender? And is he willing offensively to, you know, he's going to have to share the ball so that Delo and Ant can get their shots, is he willing at this point in his career to sacrifice parts of his game offensively in order to better the team? So those are two fundamental questions that I'm going to need to see answered before I believe in this team's ability to make that next step.
1: Do you, think, do you think outside of their playoff year with Jimmy Butler, do you think this is the best team he's had since he's been here?
0: It's the deepest team that he's had for sure. Like, you know, the guys from seven to 11, I don't think there's much difference between them. Like, and he's even mentioned this, like in some interviews with um, some of the beat writers that he feels that this, this team, you know, and we are like, we've got a lot of it. it, We've got a lot of guys that I think can play in the rotation. Um, And he's played with guys in the starting lineup that can be productive, at least offensively. So, yes, I think this is the best team since the Jimmy Butler team in 17-18, but he didn't lead that team. Jimmy did. And so, you know, is Carl able to step up? And, again, I don't think he has to be a transcendent defensive player. He just needs to be better, particularly because we haven't solved the power forward slash center issue in the offseason. You know, it's going to be by committee, and, uh, you know, if he's giving strong effort— but he just doesn't have the instincts or the footwork to play good defense, then then you're putting a lot of pressure on your perimeter defenders to, to stop um, penetration in the lane. So, yeah.
1: Well, I feel like that's where we really do him a disservice too, is like we force him to play the five, which I will preach till the day I die that he shouldn't be a five. And yet, you know, he, even when he gets in fall trouble, like we don't have much depth behind him. Like, yeah, we have Nas Reed, but that's it. Like, we don't have any other fives coming after him. You think Vando's going to play the five? Like, talk about small ball basketball. I don't think so. And there's just really no one else behind him. So it's like, it'd be nice if we had either more depth there or we just were able to actually bring in a real five so that we wouldn't have to be talking about Cat needing to be better on defense necessarily to this degree because right now he's the guy, the stopper in the paint. And I think we've seen for six years he doesn't excel at that.
0: Well, in year one, he actually did pretty well alongside, you know, an aging Kevin Garnett. You know, and but he hasn't had anybody alongside him since then. And you know, to your point about Nas Reed, like Nas Reed has the same deficiencies as as Carl does. He's a pretty good. He, he's he's good with the ball, and he's a decent offensive player, and he leaks on the on the defensive end. And then you know, Vanderbilt is a much better defensive player, but he he's not a big ball five. So I think this team, you know. Thinking about the bigs, you know, you got Nas Reed, who really, like, he's not, he's he's your backup center. I, I think that we're going to get pushed around a lot by teams that have bodies in the paint that can muscle us down. You know, the question is going to be, that's fine, is if we can, you know, outscore them on the perimeter, either through, you know, drives to the paint or, or three-point shooting. Like, that's, that's, that seems to be what Finch's design is here, the scheme. So every we've been talking about catch defense every year for the last three or four years. I mean, you gave him a <laughs> couple. And it's like he has improved in effort. He's improved yeah. a little bit in terms of team concept, not doing drop coverage. Uh, Finch seems to want to hold the guys more accountable and not switching as much and, like, stay home to your guy. But we'll see. Like, we'll see if his conditioning and being in really good shape and being locked in does make the difference. Because, as you know, defense is mostly about mentality and effort. Mm. You know, and I, on the, so here's a question for you. So we've talked a little bit about cats offense and then you got D and Ant, and, and, and Finch is certainly going to have to stagger this lineup. So it sounds to me like Carl is not going to be the guy that is the first one subbed out in the first quarter, but I think you could make the argument that maybe he should be right. You bring in Nas Reed to play with the first team and then, Carl is subbed out and then you have Carl come back in, you know, towards the beginning of the second quarter and you have him play with guys like Josh Okogie, if he's not starting that power forward, by the way, Um, guys (laughs) like Jared Vanderbilt, right? Like you put a couple of like defensive stoppers around him on the second team, you know, and then you got, maybe you got Malik Beasley and you got Carl Anthony Towns and Patrick Beverly. And like, that seems to me like a good mix of like offense, defense on the second team. I'm just not sure like what Finch's plans are for how he staggers the minutes between Towns, D and ant.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that with that lineup you're talking about with the second team, I feel like that would be like prime to protect cat, like put in your, like play cat with your best perimeter defenders. So he doesn't have to constantly be making that decision of, you know, do I help? Do I not help? We have good, Perimeter defenders that aren't allowing the other team to just hit the paint every single possession, like then maybe that protects Cat a little bit more and he can stay more on his guy versus trying to make the the right decision, but typically maybe not quite the right decision every time. So I think that'd be that'd be an awesome thing to see. But yeah, I'd be curious too to see how Finch is going to use them. I I just think you gotta you gotta keep to me you gotta keep Cat and Edwards split, which I think like Edwards is a guy we're going to always talk about it a lot, right? I mean, we talked about him a lot last year. He's been an amazing player, especially in the second half, like all-star status in the last couple months. Um, and, you, and you talk about, you know, Cat hasn't been the guy to lead us somewhere. Like it was Jimmy Butler that one year. It, can Ant be the guy to lead us somewhere? Is it this year or is it down the road? What do you think?
0: That's the good question because I think that I think Ant has a higher ceiling than anybody on this team, including Towns. Now the question in the guy's turning—he's 20 years old. He's entering his second NBA season. It's unquestionable that he has the athleticism. I think he also has the work ethic. You saw, you know, on Instagram this whole damn summer, it was just, you know, Ant getting up buckets. Ants. Going to the cup during pickup games, like this guy, like he 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 didn't get into basketball until he was in his mid to late teens, but he seems to be a guy that really wants to improve in the off season, and he's bigger and he's stronger. I think
1: he's taller, taller, right? I've heard two inches. inches.
0: (laughs) I've heard that. I've heard that, and you know maybe that's just a lot of the beat guys that are actually in the gym this year, standing next to him, so he feels two inches taller. Than he did from the broadcast booth from home, <laughs> but uh, you know if if Ant can even like the last second half of last year and and mainly under Finch, he was a twenty four five and five guy, and with tremendous efficiency, which is like that was the problem under Saunders is that like he was just throwing the ball up anytime he got an open look, whether it was for a yeah. long two or a three pointer. He is in good shape. He's stronger. He's bigger. Is that going to lead to him wanting to take the ball into the paint and making plays? Because he's still, even though he's working on his shot, he doesn't seem to be, I mean, I think he thinks he's a good three point shooter and he wants to be a good three point shooter. And if he makes a bucket or two from beyond the arc, he's certainly going to take a lot of three point shots, but he's not right. at the point in his career where you can count on him for volume shooting at a percentage in the modern NBA that makes your offense efficient. So that then makes me think at his age with his athleticism and he's not beat up and he's very durable, is he willing to go into the paint like a young D Wade, take contact, draw fouls and make baskets, you know, in the in within 10 feet of the hoop? That's what he's going to have to do. That's who he is this yeah. year. I think he thinks he might be something else, and that's why his shot selection scares me. I also think that his athleticism, and if he decides that's who he wants to be, remember D-Wade won a championship in his third year with the Miami Heat in 06, basically drawing 100 fouls against the Mavericks? If that's who he decides to be and he locks into that and, and, and he really doubles down on it, he's got the potential to be a fringe all-star if not making the all-star game.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's definitely his game and he's, he's definitely built like a tank. Whereas, you know, you compare his game to Wade and like Wade was super physical, but I wouldn't say Wade was built like Ant was like Ant can take blows and it's probably not going to affect him as much. So I think with that and, and he's got like, like you were saying, he's got like a an okay three point shot. I, I think he has enough there to like keep him dangerous and for you to, you have to respect him at the three point line which only helps him, again, more to, you know, get in the paint more. He's got to he's got to keep people honest, and then that way he can drive into the paint, and hopefully he learns well to, like, drive and kick because I think teams are really going to be watching him because, I mean, that's what he did a lot late last year was his, like, his ability to drive was tremendous and just use his body. So I think he's going to get kind of collapsed on, and then it's just up to our, our team to actually knock down some threes because you know, if you look at what happened last year, like, we weren't the best three-point 3, three point shooting team in the world. So I think teams are going to give us a chance to shoot the ball at the three-point line. But we have to be able to like knock them down.
0: Well, I think you sent me that text. or uh, It was a, a screenshot of a Twitter post about, like, we have five guys that averaged near or over 40% from three-point range now. With Torian mm-hmm. Prince coming on and Malik Beasley and Carl Anthony Towns and Dilo's a good three-point shooter. The problem is, Pat like, Bev. Pat Beverly, too. When you exchange... And Torian Prince and Pat Beverly can, I think, can both bring at least solid to good defense and shoot the three. But the others are, you know, they're sieves on defense. Yeah. So if he's passing the ball out, like the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do the advantage that they bring on offense with their three-point game, is it enough to keep them on the court in you know juxtaposed to the defense, the deficiencies that they are on, that they are on defense you know and i think that you're right like ants value is in two things it's going to the cup and getting buckets it's getting to the free throw line and then it's kicking the ball out and I, you know i know he's been fired but i think rosas did a pretty nice job of he was trying to surround you know his star offensive players with guys that complemented them in terms of shooting and defense he was mm-hmm. Yeah, the job wasn't done, but you know. Um, so Ant, like, I think if he, if, if if we see maybe a, if we see a continuation of what he was in the second half of last year, mm-hmm. and on defense, when you talk about Ant defensively, Okogie um, in a in a presser, I, I don't know after one of the preseason games or maybe it was between one of them, but he said, "Look, and I love Okogie, like he's just." he's he's great behind the mic and you know he gives you all the effort you're ever going to want even if he has his limitations and he said we just have to be solid you know mm-hmm. on defense so like it, like he's bought into like the rose's mantra of like we don't need to be first in defense we don't need to be 10th we just need to be like 15th to 20th which would be yep. a pretty significant improvement from most Timberwolves <laughs> teams in the last 10 years what that means though for Edwards is that You got to play in the system. Like, you don't have to get steals and like have these flashy fast break dunks. You just need to play good defense on the pick and roll. You need to switch when you're it, that's what needs to be done. And then you need to fight through the picks when that needs to happen and give your total effort on the defensive end, too. And if he does that and he continues to be the offensive player that we know he can be. Then we're talking about a team that's going to outperform Las Vegas's expectations of thirty-five wins.
1: Yeah, I feel like that part's going to be a little hard, though, because I feel like Finch gives them that freedom to kind of be a safety on defense. Whether that's a good thing or bad thing, to, to me, it's just the the effort. You know, it's it's the whole team effort from from you know front to back. I, I feel like you got to take your chances where you can, but then it's like the next guy's got to step up and help. Like you can't just like let the guy go, right? So plus like then you get highlight reel dunks from Edwards like you got to love that a little bit It's kind of like it can change the whole tide of the game if he gets one of those So, so I, I feel like you can't like you can't reel back Edwards too much just because of the player he is like you got to kind of let him be a little free but maybe he's got to be better about picking and choosing his spots and not every time be looking for the steal to kind of to your point
0: yeah, I, I think Finch late last year because at that point, like our defense was actually worse under Finch than it was under Saunders. In part because I think the pace and how well we were doing offensively, he so he knew that he didn't have the time to build a system, and so I think he allowed Ant to just be the guy that he was as an athlete on defense. So play the passing lanes, take your risks, go for the steals, and you know. So and I remember a lot of those games. I just think that if you want to be a solid defense let ant you know prove himself on offense. You don't need to do it on the, in I mean necessarily in transition. I remember Allen Iverson led the league in steals like 2.5 steals a game. He was an awful defender. Like that might have gotten you 5 points or 8, but you probably gave up 10 and all the chances that you were taking in order to get those steals. So I just think we need to lock in and do the fundamentals defensively, play good team defense, and you know that's where I think as a 20-year-old it's going to be harder for Ant to understand. I think Carl, even though I don't love what I've seen from him in six years, I think he's willing to sacrifice more, especially given the offensive options that we have, so that he can concentrate a little bit more on who he is as a defender. I don't see Ant making that same leap in year two we'll see but yeah. what do you the third piece if this is Delo. Mm. you know and you know the, the word around the league is that the Timberwolves made a bad trade with Andrew Wiggins and the number seven <laughs> pick and I still I think it's defensible what Rosas did and getting him here even though he's a max player and so what do you think D'Lo has, to, if we're going to get above 35 wins and we're going to get towards 40 or or beyond and fight for um, the play-in tournament in a playoff spot, D'Lo, other than remaining healthy, who is he in this team this year?
1: I mean, it, it all comes down to, you know, being, being that true shooter, being that ice-cold shooter. I think he's got to be able to knock down threes at a, at a really high clip. He's got. To, he's also got to like as much as he's got to shoot well. He's got to facilitate the ball. I think we, we need to see. We need to see like we need to see Brooklyn D'Lo is what we need to see. And I know I said that last year talking about you know Brooklyn D'Lo and that's the kind of guy that that needs to happen. But D'Lo just last year he shot his career high from the three point line at 38. Like we need that and even you know and some I might be asking for too much with that. But if if he can keep at that 38 percent clip. That's what we need. Now, Can yeah, can he stay healthy? Like, we only had him for, uh, like, 42 games, right? So we need this guy in the lineup. But we need him also, like, not only just playing offensively as he did last year, um, maybe a little higher on the assist um, numbers, but he needs to be, you know, a neutral on defense. He can't be a negative. He can't be getting lost on defense. He can't be getting beat up. He's got to be able to play within the system team defense. So, I mean, I think... Really, the success of this team, I think, is always going to come back to, to defense, right? Defense, defense, defense. We've always like seen our team be able to score, even when it's even dysfunctional on offense. We've been able to score the ball. It's just we can't stop anyone. So I think I think D'Lo, if yeah, if he's if he's a good team defender and then he continues to shoot that 30% clip from the three-point line, because, I mean, we're, we're going to want the ball in, in Edwards' hands. We're going to want the ball in Kat's hands. Is he going to be able to shoot off of the playmaking that they make?
0: Yeah. Or, you know, and I think that's a very fair point. Like the, the, one of the big things uh, with the starters on offense with D'Lo and Kat and Ann is like, is there going to be enough oxygen in the room for all three of them to breathe? And so what's the argument for D'Lo playing with the second team? You know, so you, you bring in Beasley and you bring in Vanderbilt and you bring in Nas Reed and I, if, so, Or do you bring in Beasley with the first team, and he's the first sub out, and then Delo is basically orchestrating the second-team offense, maybe playing for five or six minutes with the first-team offense, not taking many shots, being more of a facilitator, but being more of that herky-jerky, get into the lane, you know, pump fake three times and get my shot off. He will always get his... He reminds me a little bit <laughs> of Jimmy Butler. He's He's not... He's not the most athletic player, but he always finds space to get his shot off. It, yeah. when, he, when he's trying to penetrate, right? In the lane. Yeah. Like it's not always at the cup, it's usually a floater or an up and under or something herky jerky. And then he has that three point game too. Mm-hmm. Um, where does that leave Pat Beverly, though? Like if 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 he's running your second team offense, you know, and it has Finch considered running two guards in the first team offense or two point guards. Maybe I think he can play off ball, or maybe yeah. you you bring in Beverly and D'Lo is your shooting guard on the second team. Like I think the the key to this year, outside of defense, which I totally agree with you, is how these offense because we have four guys that can potentially score twenty points a game. We know it. We've seen it. Right, Ant, yep. Cat, Beasley and D'Lo. And so how do you mix and match them with second unit guys that are really good at defenders like Vanderbilt, like Okogi? McDaniels? I know it probably is going to be starter, but I could see him playing with a second unit as well. Like, I think that's going to be the key. And like, I do, we have the guy at the helm that can do that because D'Lo is a really tricky piece with this, with, with this team in terms of ants need for the ball and cats need for the ball.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think from what the little sample we saw from Finch last year, you talk about if he's the guy that can do it, like I feel like he's I mean, I feel like he commanded the locker room once he got in there. And then you just look at how the team did, like like we weren't even 500, which, you know, should be discouraging right off the bat, right? Um in the second half of the year, but we were 16 and 20, which is awfully good, especially when you compare it to the to the first half of the year where we only won 7 games. So it's like that immediate improvement. Now I guess you have to take into consideration right at the end of the year, you know, some teams were tanking, like gave us wins, whatever. And then I mean you you look at some other some other stats when you when you like take into consideration when uh, Finch took took the helm, like our offensive rating went from 28th basically last to 11th. Like Finch is an amazing offensive mind. I think we saw it. defensive rating as you already stated like we were 25th we went to 28 a little worse but if you look at net rating you know combining the two we went from um, dead last actually 30th to 22nd so I mean that right there like we we were a dead last team in the first half no doubt like we could feel it That's the reason Ryan Saunders you know got the door then like even just looking at at another thing that I was kind of interested in because I feel like every game we're out rebounded, right? That's kind of the issue with our team. Like we can't rebound the ball. Like we're too small. Mm -hmm. You know, we just get we get out hustled. Well, if you look at rebound percentage from first half to second half of the year, I thought this was really interesting. We were 29th in the league first half. Makes sense. Second half of the year, we were all the way up to 19th. So I don't know like what Finch was instilling exactly. But that, I mean, that tells me right there that we're already seeing improvements with whatever Finch is doing to help us on our rebound game. Now, if you look at the preseason, that didn't really help much. <laughs> well, I, don't... Now, I, I know it's preseason, so don't don't read too much into it, but we were basically out rebounded every game.
0: Yeah. I, so. and, and i if we lose our first three games against Houston and then two against the Pelicans, uh, then I'll start to say, well, we saw it in the preseason. I don't guys are trying to get themselves in shape. How much they're trying, blah, blah, blah. The point is this second half of last year, it was clear that the guys responded better to Finch. Saunders was in over his head. It was nice of us to, you know, give him a chance at head coach. He wasn't ready for the position Finch. So he's still unproven, right? Like he's got a half a season under him, and he finished 12 and 13 in his last 25, 16 and 20 overall, I believe you said. So we don't really know who he is, and we don't know if he can turn the whole ship around. But he's begun to turn it, right? He's he's pushed it into the right direction. And I think, like, you know, the guys seem to like him, which helps. He's a good offensive mind. We know that. I think then from there, if you're asking yourself, like what impact is this coach going to have on this team this year? And can he help accelerate what we're trying to do? I think the question comes down to, did he bring in the right guys to instill the right systems on defense?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And everybody's talking high about Banterpool. I know he was supposed to be in the head coaching, you know, cuz we, we we lost our defensive quote coordinator, right? Yeah. Yep. A- and then we replaced him, but it seems like all the internal talk is around Vanterpool and what he's in you know, Okogie and and McDaniels and I've heard a lot of guys talk about him. And so I think as a head coach, like you got to bring in the right pieces around you and install the right systems and then maximize the lineups and maximize the rotations. So I there's a lot to think that Finch is the guy, but I don't think we should take the step and say because of him, this franchise is going to find themselves in the playoffs next year. It's too it's too soon. He's been at the helm a half a year. You know, there's a lot of positive momentum, but I do like Chris Finch. And he's in, in, and I think he was a good hire.
1: Yeah, I would also echo that for sure. Yep.
0: So, what do you think the impact is of Patrick Beverly on this team on defense? and in the locker room
1: those two things specifically like defense and in the locker room he's a he's a guy that's been on winning teams like he he knows what it's like to play through a season winning to go to the playoffs win big games and um i mean a lot of that for him starts on defense now i also feel like he's a guy that i know i've always disliked to say it nicely but you know he, he, maybe he's also a guy that like You hate when he's not on your team, and you love when he is. So I'm not going to say I love him yet. (laughs) Like, I like what he brings to the team. I like the defensive intensity. That's something we've been lacking for every year for the last, like, 15 years outside of the Jimmy Butler year, maybe. So, like, that is something we need, and I hope he brings that and holds the young players accountable, and we see some improvements there. But the the only thing is he's also a little bit of a dirty player, too, which is unfortunate because <laughs> it's it's made it hard to cheer for the guy in the past, but now he's on your team it's like well like do you, do you look past all that I mean he suspended what the first game because of the uh interactions he had in the playoffs with someone he may have pushed a
0: player in the back and uh the interactions he had in the playoffs do you want to rephrase that? No, I'm good with that. The altercations he's had. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Bruce, Sam Cassell, Bruce Bowen, like, I, I'm not going to call him an enforcer. Maybe he's more of an instigator, but I think he's going to be a guy that the Timberwolves really need. And if you think about him, you know, replacing Rubio, which is really what he's doing in terms of the backup point guard play, I mean, he's 33, and so he's a little older. But I think he's going to hold this team. I mean, I know Rubio was a leader, and he was the the ant whisperer, and yada yada yada. But I think Beverly is the kind of guy with his experience with Houston, and, and in particular, you know, with these LA Clippers teams that had Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and um, Doc Rivers for the you know for for for, mo- for uh, three of those four years. He knows what winning basketball looks like. He's not infected with the Timberwolves disease. He's a really good defender. He's a—he's not just a tremendous locker room guy. He's a really good guy on the court and on the bench in terms of establishing culture. He can shoot the three, and he's not somebody that like you have to hide on offense, right? right. Like he—he he can contribute. He'll average seven, ten points a game, not on high volume shooting, but he's a smart player, and he was a really—I mean—in terms of like, Trading Juancho Hernan Gomez and Jarrett Culver to get him in, even at his age. Like that was a pretty savvy pickup in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I love that trade personally. I don't, I don't really understand why Memphis did it, but I mean, you get rid of a guy like Jarrett Culver who is, well, Gerson's gone now. So I guess we don't have to worry about that, that side of the, the whole conversation, but like lost, lost in the court, completely lost. He was way in over his head. And then you look at Wancho, and um, good three-point shooter, right, for a four, but also like doesn't give you much on defense, doesn't really give you necessarily a ton outside of three-point shooting on offense either. So I think Pat Bev, like, you get great defensive intensity, and then you also get someone who, unlike Rubio, can knock down an open three-point shot, which is huge. I mean, you talk about Ant you know, driving and kicking. You know, this is another guy you can kick it to and knock down a shot. Or Cat in the post gets double teamed, pass it out to Pat Bev, he can knock down a shot, and then he can go down the other end and force a turnover. So I know he's getting older, so, like, his effectiveness, you know, maybe is starting to slowly decrease. But I think for this young Timberwolves team lacking in the defensive category,
0: like, what a great pickup. And I think, you know, Isaac, that Torian Prince, you know, he's kind of... He's of the same mold. Like he's an above average, if he's healthy, which he hasn't been the last couple of years with his ankle injuries, a slightly above average three and D guy. And he's a guy that you can kick it out to. And, you know, he's a career 37% three-point shooter. He shot he shot four, um, over 40% two of the last three years. And he's just one of those guys. So, he's, so Beverly's 33. So he's going to walk in and he's the guy, you know, and Rubio was in his mid-30s and But Beverly kind of has that, like, I've been on near championship teams. Guys are going to respect me, but I'm sort of the old man in the room. The difference is with Torian Prince, he's 27. And, you know, from everything I can see in the offseason, he may have only been in the league for five or six years, but the guys seem to really like him. And, you know, anything that I think he brings on the court, if he can stay healthy is going to be the cherry on top. So it was clear to me that Rosas had a vision. Now he's a four. He's a four sort of in the mold of, um, he's an undersized four. I, It's kind of like Jade McDaniels. We didn't really solve that problem. So you, between Akogi and McDaniels and Vanderbilt and Prince, like we've got a, a, probably a committee at the four. Um, yeah. But I still think that he lends this team versatility and leadership.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree. I, I I love this pickup. I think it really flew under the radar, um, especially when it was kind of we flipped him. We flipped Rubio for him, right? That was that trade. Yeah, yeah. And so just to like add that three and D kind of kind of uh, player is is huge. I mean, it's another Pat Bev, right? Like you were saying. And so not not a not a completely good comparison, but I have to compare him to a guy because I've only. Called Tarian Prince this guy a few times on accident. But I'm thinking uh uh Tayshawn Prince here. Okay? Maybe Ta- not, no! not 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 the same defensively. Okay, he's not gonna get no second team all defensive honors. But if we're talking like 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 mid to early 30 Tayshan Prince, like complete versatile player, can play multiple positions, can knock down the three, can pass the ball, like he's not gonna be like someone who you're scared of to have the ball in their hands. And he's going to he's gonna get you some buckets, but he's ultimately going to be that perfect role player you need on a team. I think that he brings that to this team. So I, I'm a lot more excited for, for Tari and Prince than I think most are. I think it's a wonderful pickup, and it's a player that I think the Wolves have been lacking for
0: a while. Well, he's definitely going to be in the rotation. I mean, if he can shoot and you can play defense and you're a leader like a guy like Chris Finch is going to find a way to get a minutes, probably what 20, 25 a game. But I, I agree with you that it was an, it was uh under the radar signing. And this off season, although it didn't have the fireworks that some do or that some teams did in this off season, like I think adding Patrick Beverly and, and Torian Prince to this core of, you know, offensive firepower was actually underrated.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I've preached this to my friends, but I, I was never hurt about not having our draft pick this year, because I feel like our team needs to get older, not younger. So just these the two pickups of Pat Bev and, and Prince, like, kind of help with that whole idea of what I was going towards. Now we did gain a new player. <laughs> you
0: want to talk a about a young ball, player, Balmaro? Yeah, maybe
1: a little bit. I mean, right. I feel like this. I feel like this year we might, uh, we might mistaken that Ricky Rubio still out there. I don't know. He's wearing the number nine. He's got some crafty passing to him. Very raw. Like, obviously not. He's not going to be the same player as Ricky Rubio. But I think I think we might have moments where we're like, "Wait, number nine's out there. Who's that?" <laughs> Just Balmero.
0: Yeah, I Balmero. I, I mean, we drafted him. What in the two thousand and nineteen draft was he tw- the second first round pick, twenty third or something?
1: I think we, yeah, yep.
0: And so, like, your point to me earlier this offseason was like, hey, we don't have a draft pick, but we still got a guy coming over from FC Barcelona. He didn't do much for them, though. And I I know he's really young, and he's not, like, the quintessential. I mean, guys think that he's a European player. What he really is, he's from Argentina. And he played in Europe, and I think he actually gained Italian citizenship, if I'm not mistaken, He's raw, but he's athletic, yeah. and he's a guy that like can give you some of those like um, highlight dunks. So you think about most European players, and it's are traditionally it's it's about three point shooting, fundamentals, and passing, right? Like think about like a guy like Nikola Jokic, and Jokic, of course, it has won an MVP with 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 the Denver Nuggets. And then you think of a guy like you know Dirk Nowitzki, and like he's just not this and I'm not saying he's going to be anything compared to these guys, but he's more of a, he seems like more of an AAU player. Like Mm. he's relying more on his athleticism and he's very raw. So I just don't think he's going to have much of an impact on the Timberwolves this year. He might play some, um, but he didn't play much for FC Barcelona the last three years. And I don't think he's going to suddenly get a bunch of playing time in the NBA. I do think he's a guy that has a high ceiling though, or a higher ceiling than, where he was drafted
1: yeah i mean i i don't think we'll see him much this year either but it's going to depend obviously on on injuries right like we might see him early in the year just based on certain injuries and guys missing games but yeah i don't i don't think he's going to contribute a ton but it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how he grows and how he kind of builds off his pretty large frame for a guard he's a six six guard that can he's basically a point guard six six point guard so we'll see maybe uh you know, best case scenario, Mano Ginobili, and worst case scenario, we don't have to talk about that.
0: <laughs> so another Timberwolves draft pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so knowing that Bulmero probably won't contribute, Isaac on the court this year, I think that you know we we've talked a lot about the Timberwolves and why they will probably be better than they were last year, which I think they will be. But I think that in order to like reach the ceiling of what fans and I know it's the offseason and I know Timberwolves fans historically get really, you know, giddied up in mid-October about the promise and the hope of what's to come, only to be disappointed by what actually starts happening, you know, a week, two, three weeks out. So what are some concerns that you have about why this Timberwolves team may not you know, reach the over for wins.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, beyond what we've already talked about, the the defense and that sort of thing, I mean, you got to look at the rest of the NBA, right? Like, the NBA is deep. You look look at all the teams, and there's maybe like two or three teams at the bottom that are really bottom feeders, and the rest are, you know, every night's going to be a tough, tough battle. So, like, you look at the West alone, and it's like what what team can the timberwolves actually be better than <laughs> and that becomes uh, a really Houston? a really difficult yeah that becomes a really difficult conversation because it's like oh yeah like that team's better than us that team's better than us at least historically right at least what we've seen on the court in terms of what's on their roster like yeah you're looking at maybe we can be better than Houston and OKC and then we're like right to me i feel like we're right in line with like what Sacramento San Antonio. That's
0: kind of where we're, where we're, where, where we set. Probably New Orleans. I think New Orleans is Probably dysfunctional. Orleans. Yeah. But th- yeah. I think, I think the point that you're making, Isaac, is that like, you know, one through eight is pretty solid with the Lakers, Warriors, Suns, Jazz, Clippers, Nuggets, Mavericks, Blazers. And then it's like the non playoff teams that are contending for the um, play in tournament. You're looking at the Pelicans, Timberwolves, Kings, Spurs, Rockets, Thunder. I think we can write the Rockets off, although I think that they could they I think they could be um a little better than people think. I really do. Pesky. I think the Thunder could too. Like I don't think either one of those teams have like they've got well, they both got talent. And then, you know, the Spurs have the best or well, historically one of the best coaches in the league. They haven't been great the last few years. And the Kings got guys the pelicans have a lot of top end talent whether they can put it together is you know and so yeah like 9 through 13 like it's still not a guaranteed win and so i think this western conference maybe isn't as top heavy as it once was you could even make the argument that the eastern conference is stronger but i think one through 13 like there's not a team where you're not going to have to bring your a game to come out with a win
1: Right. So, I mean, it's going to be hard for us to find wins. I mean, we, we look at trying to improve from, what, 26 wins last year? Yeah. Like, that, that's going to become really hard when you look at the schedule because it's like, oh, like, you know, it's such a crapshoot, especially like with the way the Timberwolves have been playing before, like last year and, and, and stuff. It's like you, you, you start seeing a lot of L's on the on the schedule is, is what you look at.
0: Well, but we have had a full offseason of Finch. And, you know, our offseason wasn't spectacular in terms of additions, but as we just talked about, you know, with with Prince and Beverly, I think we've made our team better defensively and with three-point shooting, which is what you need to do to win in the modern league. And then the big big questions are, there's four of them for me, Cat becoming the guy, Ant making the leap, Finch being the guy that we saw in the second half of last year for a full season, and then as maybe a three B point to the three, a the rotations and like fitting things together in the right way. And I guess maybe that's all about Finch. And if we do that, I think we're in the top 10. I do think that we are in the top 10.
1: I'd, I'd add to that just because it's been, it's been kind of a repetitive story over the years, but we got us, we got to stay healthy.
0: Yeah. Like Like injuries.
1: If we we don't stay healthy, then we're going to be right where we have been like,
0: If we don't stay healthy, I'm going to be um, bringing you over a bottle of Makers and and providing some cousin therapy (laughs) because it's tough. I mean, not again, (laughs) we've got optimism, like we've got cautious optimism and Mm. it's been a, you know, it's been a, it's been three really hard years since Butler left. And we were, you know, at those Houston Rockets playoff games and at that. Game, you know, at the end of the season, when we beat Denver to get into the playoffs, we won 47 mm. games like like that's what we want as fans. We want the 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 hope that our team is going to be relevant and there right. is hope that this team is going to be relevant and it's not false hope, but there's still enough that has to go right. The other thing that I'm concerned about. And I'm a little bit less concerned about it immediately for this year, but we've had six coaches now in eight years. We've had seven whatever you want to call them president of basketball operations, general managers now in 13 years, I believe since McHale left in 08. And that's a lot of unrest at the top. And in the off season, like, you know, we, um, Gerson Rosas was let go. It seems to be a combination of kind of being a dick to his staff <laughs> and having an inappropriate relationship and an affair, I guess with somebody in the temporal organization, because he's married and, you know, is it Sachin Gupta? Sachin Gupta, yeah. Yeah, Sachin, Sachin Gupta tried to move back to Houston for a significant pay raise, although it was a similar position, and he blocked it. And so Mark Lurie and A-Rod come in, and I guess Mark Lurie interviewed like 20 members of the of the Rose front office and to try to get a feel for the culture and the people and the problems. And I think Rosas came out at the top of that list. And then, you know, you throw in... That and you know he a week before the season was to begin wasn't it a, was it a week or two?
1: Mm, it's been like two now I think. The I thing is right before preseason,
0: right? Yeah, and 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 he was let go. And I think that I think Rosas has done as good a job of, although there's still some holes on the roster at putting together guys, and then a coach that fits a, a vision, as anybody that I've seen. I know that hasn't resulted in like the Timberwolves succeeding but I do feel like Rosas was a good. He seemed to be doing the things that would lead to good results. maybe is what I should say. And he's gone and, you know, and maybe, maybe. And so, you know, the, the way that you can like spin this positively is that Mark Laurie is coming in and saying enough of the Glenn Taylor incompetence. I'm going to figure out what's going on. And, you know, a rod's a shadow owner. So I think this is really about Mark Laurie and Glenn Taylor. And he came in and he's. I'm going to clean house. And if this is the problem that I've identified and I run really big companies, including Walmart and um, what else has he done?
1: (sighs) Walmart's the big one. He's he's a big e-commerce guy. Yeah. He kind of got big for Walmart, but yeah. Yeah.
0: And so I don't know if that's going to have an immediate impact on this team this year because I think Finch is doing a really good job of protecting the players from the unrest in the front office. I do worry though, that like, if we start to build something like is goop to the guy, are they going to hire him? Is, are they going to bring in somebody else? We've got this pending ownership transition, you know, over the next two years with Lori and Ron going from 20 to 40 to 60% ownership. And I just, I've always been a big believer in, in, in like organizational leadership that begins at the top. And we haven't had that. And, and the unrest has continued. I don't know if that'll impact basketball in the court this year, but it does worry me.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely worrying. It, it when I heard of the the gradual ownership change, I'm like, why? <laughs> Glenn just sold the, sold the team already. Let's just get this get this pain over with. Let's let's have a new owner ownership group that you know maybe is a little bit more smart with their basketball decisions and maybe better with the whole like you know community and stuff aspect of of the Timberwolves organization but I guess you know it's it it is the way it is I personally feel that all this crap that went down with Gershonorosis isn't going to be an issue and partly part of that is you've kind of already nailed it there's been so much unrest and stuff already that I mean it's just like one more thing I don't think it's like going to create at least any more of an issue it's just going to be like status quo but to me I almost feel like this is like a Las Vegas Raiders type of moment. You know, John Gruden so? gets fired. John Gruden gets fired for his emails that we don't need to get into, but stuff he shouldn't have been saying. And then the game after he gets fired, the Raiders just are like, you know, we don't need him. We got this. Carr takes takes the lead, takes the role, and they squash the Broncos. Like, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. You know, maybe it's going to go downhill, like kind of what, what you're saying. But to me, I just I don't I don't think it's going to have any impact on the basketball side of things. I don't think we're going to see poor play because of this. If we have poor play, it's because the poor play was already there, or like the players aren't carrying out the assignments they're supposed to. I don't think I don't think the whole like front office thing is going to going to affect the players doing what they do on the court. That's just how I.
0: So if you're wrong, Isaac, do you think that there's any chance that Mark Laurie moves the team? To the $400 billion utopian desert city, Telosa. <laughs> and we become the, the, the Telosa Timberwolves.
1: I think that's the reason he bought the Timberwolves. I think I think we're going to be the first professional team in Telosa. <laughs> no, I'm not worried. Not worried. I'm really not. Like, at this point, I've, I've heard enough that I would be extremely shocked if the team moved. I just don't think... I mean, the NBA is in such a great place right now where it's so popular that we they can easily expand the league. They don't need to be moving teams from one city to another and the league also gets a ton more money for adding new teams, you know, instead of
0: transferring teams to a different city. Yeah. So I just I just don't see it. They will need a new arena. There's no way that yes, this ownership yeah, yeah. group is going to continue in Minneapolis. They seem I mean they're saying all the right things. There's but the value of the franchise has a lot to do with the arena, I mean, the product on the court and the success of the franchise for sure, but the arena and then the conditions around everything that has to do with revenue generation through the arena and the affiliated services with parking and concessions mm-hmm. and I, this this arena is going to have to go, and we'll see because the state is not committed to the Timberwolves in the same mm-hmm. way that we are. I mean, we lost the the why are the the North Stars, of course. And it took us, you know, over a decade to get the wild back. We built a stadium for the Twins. We built a stadium for the Vikings. We built a stadium for the Minnesota United, although that was privately financed for the most part. It'll be interesting. It'll, you know, we've got some flashy new owners. I just don't know if we, if the Timberwolves have the fan base and the girth to get something through the legislature that is publicly funded or partially publicly funded. So we'll see. Maybe more e-pull taps.
1: <laughs> hey, whatever gets it done. You know, maybe maybe just naming the the new arena Walmart arena or something. We'll, we'll keep Mark Laurie around.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> okay. So our last segment tonight is going to be a brief segment because it's going to be based on what we talked about. The Timberwolves over under has fluctuated between 33 and a half the 35 and a half I heard today from a friend that may or may not gamble that it was 34 and a half
1: are you over or under well if it's 34 and a half I'm definitely taking the over I I'm looking at I'm looking at DraftKings and they still got 35 and a half so that that to me is a lot harder than 34 and a half yes it's one game but to me like if I'm taking the second half under consideration how the team played in the second half of the year last year they went 16-20, and 20, as I've stated already. It's about a 44% win percentage. And you know what that comes out to in 82-game season?
0: Uh, no. Math, 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 math. 36 wins. I'll take the over! All right. I am taking the under, and it's for this reason. <clears throat> These reasons. One, injuries, as you mentioned before. This team, there's a lot of players that have had a long history of injuries, Two, this Western Conference is super deep. You're never going to get a night off. Three, we are relying on a lot of unknowns. Chris Finch being a good NBA coach. Anthony Edwards making a leap from year one to year two awfully early. And Cat becoming at least a good defense or a solid defensive player, which we haven't seen in six years. So this team has some things going for it. But I think there's, there's so much that has to work in concert in order for them to even get close to 40 wins. I will take the under. It's not a hard under though. Like you could convince me to take the over, but I think it's this. The, I think the the, the floor for this team is 30 wins. I think the ceiling, if everything goes perfectly is probably 42 to 43 wins. Yeah, so, and, and that, and that, and, yeah. and that would be a significant accomplishment in a Western conference that has 13 teams that could potentially, you know, compete for 10 playoff spots. Like in a normal, in a year where the conference isn't as deep, 35 wins, Isaac, might be 40 to 42 in a regular year. And 42 wins could be a Jimmy Butler-esque year back in 18 or 17, 18. So I think we have to remember to kind of grade this season on a curve, given the talent that there is and the depth that there is in the Western Conference.
1: Yeah, I could see that. But, I mean, as much as, like, we're, we've been injury-prone and our stars have missed a lot of games, like, we're an injury two away from a different team having those injuries from maybe, like, that team then dipping below us. So, I don't know. It, just taking last year into perspective with so all of our flaws in the second half of the year, the fact that we were, the record we were, it's, it's narrow, And like you've kind of said it, you're barely under, I'm barely over, but you know, let's keep this optimism high in in the the start of the year, you know, let's, let's keep it alive as long as we can.
0: (laughs) Well, well, I'm sure we'll be on, you know, in a, in a week or two's time and have a couple of games under our belt and overreact about what we've seen through three games. So. Isaac, it's great to have you back. I love talking to Timberwolves. We um, thought this would be a 30 to 40-minute podcast. Of course, it's well over already. (laughs) Well, yeah. So (laughs) it's been since late June since you took us out, so do me the honor.
1: Well, it's good to be back. Thank you all for listening. We will be back in a couple weeks, maybe a few weeks. We'll get it figured out. But uh, thanks for listening and stay safe out there.